Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Royal Strong and True Podcast. If you are noticing a difference in tone from this week's introduction, from last week's introduction, there's good reason. We have a BYU football win to talk about. We've got lots of other wins going on in the BYU athletics program to talk about. And we have a preview of BYU playing Texas next week. We are going to preview week nine. We are going to recap week eight. There is a lot of fun and crazy stuff happening in the college football world, and we can't wait to go over it with you this episode. It's going to be a lot of fun. Before we get into it, make sure you're following us on Instagram and Twitter at LoyalToRoyalPod, where you'll find lots of fun and interactive content. Or the community is growing. We want to help it keep growing. You guys are the catalyst for that. Make sure you're visiting our website, RoyalStrongAndTrue.com, where you'll find Jared's weekend watch guides that will help you know what games to watch, when and where, and what relevance they have to BYU and college football at large. It's a beautiful tool. Very well done by Jared. Make sure you're checking it out, royalstrongandtrue.com. Without further ado, let's get into the episode. Let's fool. Go Tigers. But that field judge on the far side is in their pocket, man. Go over your death, Greg! Let's back this booler. Yeah! Let's go, let's go wild Let's go, Let's go. We're at a waterfall, dude. And welcome back, everybody. Welcome. We are very excited to be with you this week. Much more excited than we were last week, that's for sure. The vibes are different this week. They are. The vibes are very different. We'll get into that very shortly. But as usual, we need to do a little bit of housekeeping first. Just a little bit. We're going to try to keep the house as best we can. You you guys all know that when Jared and I are trying to housekeep, turns in the rough housing most of the time. But uh, I guess we'll, we'll try to keep it clean. Um for Dan's sake, in memory of Dan, we love you. May he rest in peace. May he rest in Long Island. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about women's soccer because it was a good weekend all around for BYU sports. Women's soccer beat UCF 3-2 on Monday night, finishing the regular season second in the Big 12. Conference tournament is coming up next. BYU is the two seed and will play the winner of Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. Little rivalry happening on Monday. A uh, pretty good season for women's soccer. Obviously, you hate the stupid loss to Utah State, and you hate the stupid draws at home. Uh-huh. But for our first year, we are undefeated, right? No losses. Three ties, yeah. three draws, mm-hmm. excuse me, but no losses. Uh, pretty good. And I love having a conference tournament. Like, that's awesome. So uh, excited to see if we can win the conference tournament. Uh, hopefully, we just tear through because you know uh we won't be playing at home i don't i don't think any of it's at home it's all in one spot um that's good that's good remember we did a deep dive on byu (laughs) women's soccer a couple weeks ago that said we are worse at home than we are neutral and on the road yes so yes it is all happening at a single location uh we'll not be playing at home we don't have to worry about that uh it is round rock texas that is round rock texas Yes, wherever, wherever that may be. 
Yep. Yeah. At the Ram Rock Multipurpose Complex. The uh, multi-purpose anyway. complex. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Why not play it at the YMCA? <laughs> but yeah, so uh keep an eye out for women's soccer. Those games will be on ESPN Plus. Um, that should be exciting. Uh, I mean, it's our first ever. I mean, I don't know about like the Mountain West, whatever, but we don't care about those days. Our first ever P5 conference tournament, and we're in two seeds, so it should be really exciting. It's gonna be really exciting. I mean, if we can hang a Big 12 banner in our first year. In any sport, that would be phenomenal. It it would be absolutely phenomenal. And they can do it if they just, you know, I mean, we tied with Texas Tech when we played them. They're the one seed, right? And so if we can just not tie, you know, just score like one more goal, maybe that would be awesome. So I guess we'll see what happens there. Let's talk about another team that might have an opportunity to hang a banner. Um we actually won't know because the women's volleyball uh, season is much longer than the women's soccer season. But BYU women's volleyball is currently ranked number eight in the nation and second place in the Big 12. They swept Iowa State in back-to-back nights. Who Iowa State was no uh, pushover. They were ranked in the top 25 before taking a loss the previous week. Um, yeah, we, we freaking dominate. We do, especially at home. We are undefeated. I think on sets, we are like 24 and three uh, in sets at home, plus like 200 points. So like we pretty stinking good at home. That's um, ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, our only three losses have been on the road at Texas, who, like you said, is a top 10 team, uh, top five team, and at Washington State, who is even higher ranked than Texas. So uh, we're we're very good. We may not just we may not be like the best of the best, but we are pretty stinking good still. Uh, so yeah, we're gonna play Kansas State on Thursday and Friday, and then next week we will play Cincinnati at home. I'll be producing those games, so go check them out on the Big Twelve now on ESPN Plus. But yeah, they're good. Jared with the plug there, gotta love it. Oh yeah, yeah. No, like honestly, it's ridiculous how good they are, and you know it's it's kind of hilarious seeing UCF be humbled. They haven't played anybody. Yep. Um. Yeah, they suck. Anyway, uh, moving on from that because we need to keep the vibes up. We cannot have any bad vibes. Let's talk about some Cougs in the pros that did some pretty cool things this week. Now, I just gotta say, Kukunakua. I don't know if you can hear that through the mic, but holy schnoz boggle. I'm assuming you whistled by your lip formation, but I did yes. not hear it. Jared <laughs> whistled, everyone. He whistled. Yes. Uh, eight receptions, 154 yards. Oh, my. 36, a long of 36, average of 19.3. Like, this guy's an animal. And did you see that one catch where he was in between the two guys, got hit, did like a Marvin Harrison Jr. tiptoe to get his toe in? Dude, Puka's legit, bro. He's legit. He is legit. And correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, this is just kind of funny. I just thought of this as you said that. But at 154 yards receiving last week, he had more receiving yards than Keaton had passing yards. Absolutely. Am I right on that? Yes, by 27. <laughs> Puka is just that guy. Puka is that guy. Speaking of just dudes, let's talk about Freddie. Oh, wow. Fred I, Warner with the absolute he, – he has the answer to the tush push. He now, does. Granted, it was the Vikings. Kirk Cousins <laughs> does not have tree trunks for legs like Jalen Hurts. 
as Jacob once said, that boy's beefy. Um, <laughs> Kirk Cousins, though he be Kirk Thuggins, is noticeably not beefy. He's got some chicken legs. But Freddie was able to jump over the pile, reminding us of a certain play in BYU history. Yes, it was a very Kyle Morrell-esque against Hawaii, jumping over the goal line. Um, Freddie is the answer to the tush push. If you want to stop it, you need Fred. You, you need Fred Warner on your team. That's it. That if you don't have him, good luck. You're done. <laughs> so uh, he's an animal. He flies around. He hits so hard. He even got a little stinger. I don't stinger is probably not the right word for it, but like he was grabbing his hand, had to come out for a play, got it checked out, went right back in and started playing defense. He is incredible. And it's really cool just to see the number of like BYU guys just making plays like week in and week out in the NFL. You have Tyler Algier who led the Falcons in rushing this this week. You had Taysom Hill who scored a touchdown and had a bunch of yards for the Saints in Thursday night football. And then you have Puka doing his thing, Fred doing his thing. Like it's it's awesome as a Cougar fan right now. Another Cougar I want to give a shout out to just because you might, you may not know that he's playing if you're listening to this, but uh, Kyle Van Noy is back in the league. He was a oh. free agent for the entirety of the beginning of the year, has recently signed with the Ravens, and in his first game back with them had two sacks. So let's go. Shout out Kyle Van Noy. He's playing like a dog. He is a dog. <laughs> uh, we have lots of dogs in the NFL right now for BYU. Dogs. Just dogs. Got that dog in them. Got that dog in them. Speaking of somebody that has that dog in them, we move ahead to what we're here to talk about. It is BYU football. They played a game. And Justin, I don't know if you remember, we were very depressed last episode. We were very, very sad. Oh, yeah, we were. Yeah, we- yeah. I almost like... <laughs> jumped out of my window recording the intro uh it was a very sad day this is a happy day uh byu has won a football game 27 14 we won by two scores against a power five opponent uh-huh. and guess what guess what we have cashed that four and a half over under regular season win total suck on that one sports books we told you so we called it we put our cheese it's on it and here we are five wins baby uh, it feels good. feels really good sitting at five and two. I think that's my prevailing thought coming out of this is if you have told me we'd be five and two heading into Texas, I would have shot you in the face. I did not see this coming. Uh, I know it may not look pretty, but 30,000 foot view. I'm happy at five and two. Now, yeah, that over four and a half wins was easy money from the beginning of the year. Um, one thing I will say, um, I'm glad that we're five and two. I didn't expect us to be five and two. Like, realistic in my real heart of hearts right my blue goggled vision said i'd be seven we'd be seven and oh right now right <laughs> but in reality i'm glad that we're five and two the teams that we've beaten have um don't have the greatest records and our remaining strength of schedule <laughs> is among the top in the entire nation so um these final um what is it? final five games will be very telling of what this byu program really is but let's not look too far to the future instead let's talk about what happened on saturday byu beating a big 12 legacy team by two scores yes uh we become just the second team in the big 12 uh the second team of the newcomers in the big 12 to be an, an og um 
And that's kind of like the the first overall thought, right? We just beat a Big 12 team. We beat a Power 5 opponent. We got a conference win. Smiley face. Um, we needed this for bull eligibility as well uh, because, it. let's be honest, uh, our schedule, like you said, is very, very tough coming up here. And if we were going to get to to six wins, we needed this one at home on homecoming against a backup quarterback, the backup of a backup quarterback. Uh-huh. Uh, we really needed this and we got it. Like we got the win and I, it's very hard. Um, well, okay. As BYU fan, it's very easy to be disappointed in wins, but when you take it at this point of view, just, we are five and two, we are one win away from bowl eligibility. I can be happy. Oh, heck yeah. I just want to mention this before we get in, before I dive deeper into the game. Um, shout out to the real winners of yesterday. The grounds crew and their paint job, much better. The blue was popping. It wasn't splotchy. Very good job. And the band for doing something true. new for once at halftime. I see all these people on Twitter like, what the heck was this? Well, it's a bunch of 60-year-olds that you can tell have never seen the Mario movie. Like, it was very obviously a performance of the Peaches song, you know, from the Mario movie. It wasn't, like, weird or something that BYU made up. It was really well done with all of the other things that happened, too. They tried something new for once. We didn't hear the same 20 songs. Sorry, the same 20 songs. The same two songs that they've been playing over and over again with an appearance from whatever Top Gun performance that they want to show you, that they've showed you already 20 times. Uh, yeah, no, the band performance was amazing. We could actually tell what they were trying to make on the field, which is very new for us. It's yeah. maybe the first mm-hmm. time we've ever like recognized the shape they've done. Uh, so yeah, very, very cool. Um, and that, it, it kind of was, let's actually, let's not go there yet. <laughs> I was going to say it was the end of all happiness in that game, but <laughs> I'm not going to get there. Um, uh, let, let's talk about the first half because the first half was really, really good. We came out of the gate. We scored on our very first possession. LJ Martin took a 68 yard pitch, uh, you know, almost to the house, got us in the red zone. A couple plays later, find Chase Roberts for a touchdown. Then later we find Darius Lasseter who has an incredible one-handed catch. That, that was awesome. That was awesome. unreal. Absolutely unreal. Who would have thought that one of our most electric wide receivers this year would be the transfer out of Eastern Michigan? Not me. Not when we took him, I was like, okay, what, what? Like maybe he's got some upside to him. Who knows? But Darius Lasseter, dude, he is playing out of his mind. Yeah. I mean, he was by far our best receiver in that game. And on the, over the course of the season, I'd say it's him and chase for best receiver on the team. And that is not something that I expected coming in. Um, he played amazing though. He had the touchdown catch later in that drive to seal it for reception, 47 yards and a touchdown, uh, when there wasn't really a lot of passing yards to go around. Um, but, but he did well. Uh, I let's talk about the run game as well, because this is something that I want to talk about because we saw LJ Martin, he's kind of been RB one for the last couple of weeks. Right. Uh, and he played well, he took the pitch 68 yards broke a tackle or two, you know, ran near 70. Like it was, that's a great play. However, after that, it was tough sledding for him. He only had a couple more carries, didn't get a ton more yards, uh, 10 carries for 93 with a long of, you know, 60 or 55 or whatever. So those other ones weren't that great. 
Um, but in came Aiden Robbins, who we hadn't seen for a while. His numbers don't leap off the page, 16 carries for 49 yards. But I felt like it was a great change of pace to have him in there. I felt like we saw the Aiden Robbins we were promised. He was breaking arm tackles. He was falling forward for a couple of extra yards. He got us like two or three third and ones, something that last year we wouldn't have dreamt of, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Aiden Robbins' full strength is an awesome change of pace for this run game, and I think it's going to help us improve the run game moving forward. Absolutely. I mean, he he was lights out. Like you said, his stats might not jump off of the page, but he played well. He was hitting holes. He wasn't dancing around or anything like some of our other backs do. He was making decisive cuts, cutting up the hole, making contact with a with the linebacker, hitting them, and like you're saying, breaking those arm tackles. You could tell by the way he was running, he was only a couple missed tackles or a couple different plays away from breaking a big one. And I think he's going to be very good to be successful as a running back now, like in the modern game of football you have to have a one-two punch, right? Two running backs build off of each other. LJ Martin has been great for us the past few weeks, but he hasn't had a ton to build off of. That's not saying that Deion Smith and Miles Davis, when he comes in, it's not saying that they haven't been good. But Aiden Robbins helps take our rushing attack to the next level and allows LJ Martin to do what he did in taking that long pitch. Exactly. And something else that Aiden Robbins brings to the table is pass protection. Uh, LJ Martin is a true freshman and it really, really shows in pass protection. He's miscommunicating on a lot of things. He's missing blocks. He he's small. Like he just can't block like a middle linebacker, a DN that's barreling down at him. Aiden Robbins is that guy. He can pick up those blocks. Right. And a lot of the reason that Keaton Slovis has been uh, struggling lately, one play calling, right. But two, he had not getting enough time. Like the O-line is not playing well enough. Uh, and that includes, the running backs and pass pros. So hopefully with Aiden Robbins in there, the, a, a bigger body, a guy with experience, a guy that has pass blocked a lot in his career. Uh, hopefully that also contributes to a better passing game in the future as well. Absolutely. Jared, I'm done saying positive things about the offense. I have some other thoughts. Um, <laughs> before I shift the tone a little bit, do you have any more positivity that you would like to share? Um, I Yes, yes. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, um, let's hear it. We showed fight. Literally, we showed fight. Uh, earlier in the game, we saw a couple scuffles on the sideline. Tyler Batty was involved in a couple of them. Uh, after a kickoff, there were a couple little, you know, like headbutts and whatnot. Tyler Batty got spit on twice by opponents, which means he's getting in their head, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he also just like ran a guy over in a pickup truck on a punt return, made him fumble. <laughs> Shout out to Rico for recovering that one. <laughs> Um, the punter recovering it that's just poetic and he didn't even it didn't even like pass the original first down marker (laughs) but but, but, that fight i loved i love to see us play with passion we were completely absent of passion in the oregon game last year and Mm -hmm. in the tcu game last week Mm -hmm. it was awesome to see us playing chippy with emotion hitting hard like like not like flexing on guys but like flexing our muscles a little bit saying like hey we're here to play um, I want to see at least one scuffle per game from here on out because we're playing chippy. Now, Crew Wakely, I'm talking to you specifically, that does not mean flexing over a guy that you had nothing to do with on the play when we are down 16 points in the fourth quarter or whatever it was. Uh, it, that's not okay. But when it, we are playing competitively, when it's a close game, we need to show, hey, we're not just a doormat. 
we are here to punch you in the mouth. Maybe not literally, although I will say there are some cases in which that would be okay. Um, but I loved our competitiveness and our fight. Uh, and that's something that I want to see from here on out. Heck yeah, dude. That's what I want to see too. You need to also be, like you said, you, you don't want to necessarily like flex over people. Like, you know, like kind of crew Wakely did with that, but you do at some point want to flex over people. I know that's kind of counterintuitive, <laughs> but what I'm saying is you need to have that grit. You need to have that chip on your shoulder. You football is a violent game, right? Off the field. You have to be like, you can be the nicest person ever, right? You can be the best, most model member of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints or any other, um, you know, any other organization for that matter and be good. But once you step inside those lines, you need to flip a switch and you need to activate kill mode, right? You <laughs> activate to, instant kill. Yes, activate instant kill. You need to smack people. You need to get in their face. You need to strut your stuff because football is a game of emotion. And like you were saying, when teams don't have fight, when teams let the emotion drain out of them, when they become apathetic, they suck. Yeah, and it's clear, like, that happens to us all the time, on the road, during the day, especially. Um, something that Kalani keeps harping on is, like, we love the fans. We love that they bring energy to the um, to the stadium, to Bill Edwards, right, especially at night. But we need to be able to create that energy on the sideline. And that's something that we need, right? That's leadership. That's that's a coach. That's the coach's and the captain's responsibility. You, you need to be like that guy from Memphis like six years ago who was just like a GA or whatever, the defensive assistant, and he's headbutting the crap out of his players, blood streaming down his face. Like we need those kind of guys, right? We Heck yeah. Enough of the, hey, go out there and have fun and love the other team. It needs to be like, let's go pound them, beat the crap out of them, and then help them back up and slap them on the butt and then do the same thing the next play, right? We, we need that killer instinct. Um, I love your uh, activate instant kill. We need to we need to plaster that. Like they need to hit that on the way out of the yeah. tunnel because BYU needs more of that aggressiveness and that like not the flight the fight part of the adrenaline. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Jared. Am I am I allowed to get a, just a little bit negative? I, I promise I'll be positive on the other end. We're doing a little sandwich here. Yes, know, yes, yes. Good, We're the in the bottom of the bell curve. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah, let's do, do it. Let's do it. There's a lot of stuff we need to get off of our chest. Don't let the defensive touchdown distract you from the fact that our offense only scored two touchdowns and two field goals. Only 20 points from our offense in a game where we had, we forced five turnovers, <laughs> five turnovers, and we scored 20 points. Off of those five turnovers, guess how many points we scored? Oh, I don't even want to know. I maybe seven. Thirteen. Okay. Thirteen points off of five turnovers. That's less than an average of a field goal per turnover. But that also includes that defensive score, right? Yes. And so, like, take that defensive <laughs> score away. Six points on four turnovers. That is ridiculous. That's terrible. Oh my, dude! Like, we our offense was a steaming pile of dookie yep <laughs> it was <laughs> uh especially in the second half we had seven possessions six punts and a field goal and four three and outs i i'm sorry i don't care how much you're up that's disgusting that is completely that's unethical um 
to be frank. Uh, a lot of the post-game people, uh, people in the BYU media, people in the BYU football program were saying, oh, it's okay that they played bad because we were up three scores. And so it's all right. You can just sit on the football. Mm. No, dude. Like, we could have lost that game if they don't mm. have, like, a freaking gelatinous mass playing quarterback. Like, <laughs> it was it was disgusting. It, it Against any sort of competent team, if you're up three scores and you play like that and you punt the ball six times, unless you have Iowa's defense, you are going to lose the game. I guarantee it. So that was like the the play calling the the run like it, it it felt like we just would run one play lose a yard and then a rod would be like all right let's just punt and it would take 90 seconds off the clock dude if you're going to sit on the ball you need to get first downs you can't just go three and out and expect that oh we're just going to shorten the game and blah 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 no it was pathetic a rod is the freaking best at making wins feel like losses and making us so excited one second and then absolutely devastated and furious come the end of the game. Yeah. A-Rod, how can you possibly justify only 15 completions? 15, Slovis, come on. I know it's not the best play calling. I know you're getting kind of hamstringed a little bit, but you also have to complete more than 55% of your passes. And I don't know. Slovis, I, I feel like we're doing him a little bit of a disservice. 100% I feel agree. like A-Rod is still calling the offense as if his quarterback has legs. Slovis is a good quarterback, but he does and he's he can move, but he doesn't have the same legs that Jaron had or that Zach had. Yeah. And it seems like they have not redesigned this offense to be a pocket offense for Keaton Slovis. They just haven't done it. And Keaton is doing well. You know, there are times that he misses, and that's okay. You know, all quarterbacks are going to miss. I expected him to be a little bit more accurate, but I, I don't know. I, something is not clicking on offense, and I, I just, I wasn't impressed on Saturday by it. Uh, neither am I. And like, to be honest, I feel really, really bad for Keaton Slovis because what did he do? He went from USC where he played really well. Uh-huh. Uh, got got injured, kind of got like bumped out the door, right? Because when you're injured, you know, and there was an interim head coach, everything, bad situation. So he left. He goes to Pitt. Why did he go to Pitt? Because they had Jordan Addison, Blitnikoff winner, and they just had Kenny Pickett, who was a round one draft pick, and they were like the most explosive offense in college football in 2020 or whatever, 2021. Um, so then he goes to Pitt. Absolutely stinks because Pat Narduzzi abandons the pass game, decides to change the style of offense, only runs the game, and his numbers are basically what they are now. So what does he do? He comes to BYU where he sees Jaron Hall and Zach Wilson, consecutive quarterbacks get drafted. And then what happens when he comes here? Like all of a sudden our drives are going from like double-digit play drives to seven, five, three, Mm -hmm. three, seven, six, three, 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 four. Like, I don't care how good of a quarterback you are. You, there's no rhythm. There's you, there's nothing that you can do to get in a rhythm, to start being explosive when you're only getting three plays per drive. Now, yeah. part of that is probably Keaton's fault, but still, like, you can't go three and out seven times in a game and expect your quarterback to still play well. Like, there's no rhythm. There's no 
you can't establish the run, so there's no play action. At th- there's no drop back because you don't have explosive wide receivers that you can just bet on, like a Zachariah Branch or a Marvin Harrison, uh, th- or even a Puka Nakua. I don't know. I feel really bad yeah. for Keaton. I, he's obviously not playing very well, and I think part of that, like he does need to step up his game, but part of it too, like it's it's hard to play quarterback when you're getting one chance per drive, eight eight out of your ten possessions per game. No, I completely agree with that. That is that is not good. Um, I, I have one more negative comment. Is that okay? Then, yes. Then we'll switch back to positive. Yes, I like it. We can't keep winning like this. We can't. We we can't, but we are. And it's the weirdest thing. It's so weird. It's hilarious. We were outgained by 112 yards. Had seven less first downs. And our first down percentage was, sorry, our third down conversion percentage was 28% to their 50%. Oh. They had more yards per passing attempt, more rushing yards, but at the end of the day, we came out on top with five turnovers forced. I, you are 100% right. This is completely unsustainable. We said it last week. We said it the week before, too. The only reason BYU is winning games is because teams beat themselves. We are not beating anybody. I know it's stupid, and a lot of people hate it when you say that. But we are not winning these games. These other teams are losing them. Like, if you have five turnovers, I'm – doesn't matter what team you are, you're going to lose the game. Uh, unless you're me in NCAA football. I threw oh. seven interceptions and still beat Nebraska by six this week. So um, yeah, that I've done the same. <laughs> but you, if you're BYU, there's no chance that you can keep winning games like this. And I, I bet you for the rest of the season, unless we figure something else out, I bet you it's going to be like this. We're going to hope that Iowa State and West Virginia just completely shat their pants. And uh, we can somehow walk out with a victory because we sure as heck aren't going to beat Texas or Oklahoma or Oklahoma state. Now, uh, if we play like this, like we have to develop an offensive identity, we have to develop some sort of competency across the board in order, uh, in order to win big games. So unless other teams beat themselves, we will not win. Yeah. Honestly, like the way we're playing, we belong in the big 10 West. Like that's where we belong. Like that's we really true. Been we invited right to the in. Big Ten West. We would have we would fit right in. We would be dueling Illinois, beating them five to three. That's exactly what we'd be doing. Sorry. Okay. No, that it, the Big Ten West is perfect for BYU. I think that's where I'm going to put us in my next round of realignment on my video game. Oh, good, <laughs> good. You imagine? All right. Be awesome. <laughs> BYU versus Iowa versus Minnesota versus cold doesn't bother us. Dude, we could lose four games and still go get whooped by Michigan or Ohio State in the Big Ten championship game. Dude, oh, they're doing away with divisions, though. So, True. Anyway, let's get positive. How about that? Yeah, yeah. Shout out to BYU's defense. They held Taj, the nation's leading rusher, leading rusher to less than his season average. Forced four turnovers. One of them, a touchdown was scored on not including special teams, and almost forced one more Crew Wakeley's with, you know, Crew Wakeley's dropped pick six and another pick on that exact same possession that ended up resulting in a Texas Tech touchdown. But shout out to our defense who held this offense to realistically seven points, you know, give or take. The other seven was 
scored just because Crew Wakely can't catch an interception. And it was garbage time at that point. Like, yeah, it was garbage time. It was, yeah, it was whatever. No, our defense played awesome. Like, I was very, I was very happy with our defense. We did what we needed to do on defense. Like, the offense was so bad that we're all angry. But like in the end, we couldn't have asked for more from our defense. I I thought we did awesome stopping the run. I was really worried about the run because that was going to be like their thing, right? Taj Brooks is incredible running back. We held them to three yards of carry. That's like, I mean, that's better than BYU numbers, but that's kind of like a BYU number. Um, I I was very impressed. Crew Wakely, like you were saying, had this stupid dropped interceptions. Uh, The one diving one, it went lit- it literally kissed both of his arms on the way. Yeah, to that it. wasn't his fault. That one wasn't. The next one was. The that next one, one definitely was. Um, but he also had the tip that led to the Heckard interception. Yeah. And let's be honest, Crew Wakeley's playing really well. He is helping in the run game. He is a Jag plus. Uh, I think yeah. we can we can agree, right? We're full yeah. of Jags, and and like Jacob says, BYU has Ur- Urkels on defense. Uh, <laughs> Crew Wakeley, he's a Jag plus. <laughs> Crew Wakeley is not an Urkel. He hits no. hard. He makes open field tackles. Yes, he fills gaps. Like there's yeah. times where he's tackling a running back on a run play, and it's not like seven yards down the field like it normally is. He's filling that gap. He's hitting the running back two yards past the line of scrimmage. Like that's insane. Like for a safety to do, he is playing hard, and so is Ethan Slade. Uh, you know, the, the, kind of some foreshadowing there. But Jarrett, guess who are two highest graded players? on pff were um two highest graded defensive players on pff okay good because i was gonna say like uh yeah never mind (laughs) um let's see on defense i mean i think i know where you're going but i'm gonna guess uh crew wakely and then maybe eddie heckard you'd think eddie heckard right with the fumble recovery in the end zone and an interception right yeah our two highest graded players on pff were Crew Wakely and Ethan Slade. Oh? Like, these guys, we've been critical of them, right? Because, you know, Crew Wakely made some dumb mistakes, you know, obviously standing over the guy. Ethan Slade has been off and on. But these two guys have developed and have been really good. They have played very good football the past couple of weeks. I'm honestly, like, like, you know, they're not the best safeties ever, right? But I am not upset with either of these guys how they're playing safety, how they're playing football. I think that, like you said, they're not just Urkels. Both of these guys are positive additions to our defense. They're both Jag pluses. Yeah, uh, I I would say they're not – the uh, recruiting philosophy that leads to them being on the team and in starting positions is unsustainable. However, sure. with these two players specifically, they're doing enough. Like Like you said, they are Jag pluses. They are doing enough to not be a hindrance to the team. And I think that is more than enough than what we're asking them to do, seeing as they were third and fourth on the depth chart to start the year. And they're coming in and playing, honestly, like pretty well. Like you said, I I can't be that mad uh, with a couple of true sophomores. Yeah, exactly. Um, It's not just sophomores that were contributing in this game though, right? No, there were a lot of guys, especially this true freshman from Tintview High School. His name is Siale Acera, 54 on the defense. That dude, dog. Siale Acera, dog. That guy is awesome. He was playing lights out, came in. Uh, he plays like the defensive end, kind of like that. I 
can't remember what the, just edge i guess is what people yeah. call it right um he was balling he was hitting hard he was filling gaps he was like plugging up the run game i'm very excited about him i asked my sisters about him and he was like and they're because they like go to school with him they're like yeah he's like pretty good like you know he would play really well against like alta high school and stuff like that but they're like <laughs> it didn't seem like he was like a game wrecker i was like okay you know like whatever like he's four stars but whatever but he is showing his potential. And so if he's a freshman, a true freshman right now, you imagine like three or four years down the road. Uh, I'm super, super glad that we got him because he's going to be an anchor for that defensive line moving forward. And that's a place BYU super, super needs to step up both recruiting and playing. And so having him do that uh, makes me really optimistic for the future. Yeah, he was all over the place. He played incredible. Um, Jared, I have, a, I have a fun stat for you here. I love fun stats we're going to kind of veer back a little bit towards um, – well, I'm going to let you uh, interpret this stat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. BYU was plus five in the turnover margin against Texas Tech, and we struggled, but we won 27-14. to Right? It wasn't pretty, but we won. We still won. That is the second time under Coach Satake that we have been plus five in the turnover margin. Interesting. I did not know that. The last time that we were plus five in the turnover margin in a game, oh no, was in 2016. Oh, against Boise State. Oh, in a game that game. we lost 27 to 28. I was at that game. That was a rough one. So why does BYU struggle so much in games in which they are in co- a comical plus? <laughs> Five in the turnover margin. Um, one incompetent offense, uh, incompetent on offense, uh, mm-hmm. has to do a lot with play calling. Secondly, I think there is maybe a little bit of culture to that problem, a little bit of complacency, a little bit of hey, you know, like we can't do wrong, blah blah blah. I don't need to try that hard to to play well. Um. But realistically speaking, I have no idea. I have no idea. I mean, that I, you obviously points to the offense being bad, but I, I don't know, man. I mean, imagine being plus five in the turnover margin in NCAA, and only scoring <laughs> twenty-seven points. Like, if I'm plus tw- if I'm plus five in NCAA football, in the turnover margin, I'm winning that game eighty to six or something like oh, that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No mercy. I'm running up the score. It's fourth and three from my own 37 with 17 <laughs> seconds left and I'm calling four verts. I don't care. And I'm chucking it deep, whether it's open or not. This, that killer instinct, like you were saying, culturally is just not a part of BYU. We've seen it in Satake's tenure. He just doesn't like running the score up on people. The only people we ever ran a score up on was these random no names. Sorry. I, sh- I shouldn't say no names. They, they are not no names. We appreciate them. They play good football. But the teams that we played in 2020, <laughs> the only reason that we ran the score up on them was that we physically could not stop ourselves from <laughs> scoring against those teams. We would have had to have taken a knee every play to not score on those teams. Yeah, like no, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> it's it's disappointing as a fan to see that. You know, it's part of the love, part of the love and learn culture, right? But I don't know. I I wish that was something. If we have a plus five turnover margin, we should be winning games by like at least three touchdowns. Oh yeah. I, the only other team that would probably win games by less 
with five plus turnovers is probably Iowa. If Iowa, we're being honest. Yep. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, just because they don't like scoring points. Uh, Kalani says he likes scoring points, but it doesn't seem like it sometimes. Like when we have 12 possessions and we average two points a possession. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. that's not good enough. Um, <laughs> that's not even a field goal uh, per possession, oh. which is despicable. Um, I have one last question about this game. Are we the best bad team in America? Because mm. we're five and two. Yes. But we are bad. Like <laughs> Yes. Right? We are lucky to be five and two. But yeah, I'm, I'm not gonna not gonna apologize for being five and two. Five and two, you are what your record says you are. We mm-hmm, use that mm-hmm. liberally and and only when it applies positively to us. Um <laughs> are we the best bad team in America? What are the other options? Uh I I don't know. <laughs> Iowa. Uh, um, do we beat Iowa on Rutgers. a neutral field? I, th- I think Rutgers is is actually Rutgers. Yeah, though. Rutgers. Maryland. Maryland. Mar- um, that would be a fun game. Foreshadowing Virginia. Mm. You know, you got all this Bowling Green, who actually might not be bad. They might just be good. <laughs> I. It's kind of funny to lump ourselves in with those teams, but like it's kind of true. <laughs> um, New Mexico State. I see these are teams that like it's interesting to hear us mention the same like phrase as them because it's like you think they're terrible, but at the same time, like it's kind of our uh, our cohort right now is like a bunch of teams that have good records but like aren't that good mm-hmm. per se. So uh yeah, I don't know. It's just interesting. Interesting like to think about. Yeah. yeah, like you're saying, you just can't look a gift horse in the mouth. Except five and two. Sit on it. Hang a banner. Yep. We are not apologizing for being five and two, everybody. Nope, not at all. Make not that loud all. and clear. <laughs> um, do you have any last thoughts on the BYU game, or should we move ahead to college football as a whole last weekend? Last thoughts. Um, apparently, Cosmo has abs. Oh, true, uh, true. The dude was shirtless, fire twirling. Um, I honestly don't know whether they put one of the poly fire dancers inside of Cosmo or they just taught Cosmo how to do it. I mean, he was doing pretty, he was doing it pretty well. He was so doing all right, yeah. I'd imagine it's probably one of the guys that normally does it inside of the Cosmo suit. But, oh, my goodness. Um, I didn't know that they um, were allowed to be shirtless like that. True, true. I mean, if Cosmo's shirtless, we should let the fans be shirtless too, right? Right. Yeah. We should stop kicking like the shirtless guys with like a Y painted on their chest out of the student section. Yes. Or or out of the stadium like I was in 2013 versus Virginia when me, Elliot, and Jacob painted our chest BYU. You were kicked out of the stadium? Yes. They said we either had to leave the stadium or go put shirts on. Are you serious? Yep. Yep. And guess what? Later that game, they showed the student section. Three guys. BYU painted on the chest. It was stupid. That was um, ridiculous. Yeah, anyway. ESPN loves it. BYU hates it. Yep. And, I mean, come on. Do we expect any different? <laughs> no. 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 All right. Let's move ahead. Let's get into the only way we know how to recap a week of college football with the nifty nine. We kick things off in big noon doofus day where Fox took an axe to yet another incredible game day environment, forcing the Ohio State University. And we are 
Penn State University to play at noon oh freaking o'clock. Shockingly, shockingly, both teams took a while to heat up. Huh. By a while, I mean they still weren't really cooking. By the time the game was over, Maserati Mai was remarkably held in check. Only, not by the all-whites defense, but rather his own quarterback, Honda McCord. Even the so, Penn State pasties. <laughs> even so, the best player in college football still went for 168 and totally. The story of the game, though, was a Buckeye defense who splinched the essence of Dittany Lions, holding them to one of 16 on third downs and only allowing 49 rushing yards. Sounds like the, they were playing BYU, boom. <laughs> it, they basically were. The poisonous nuts beat the weird Lions 20 to 12, taking down yet another top 10 opponent, but somehow still don't move ahead of two teams who haven't played a pair of house cats in the AP Top 25. It's because the AP voters are a bunch of noodle heads, boom. They are. True noodle heads. We, we take our super nifty, fragilistic, expialidocious journey to Oklahoma, where the weaving, where the waving wheat can sure smell sweet. Oklahoma, okay. Yeah, the Oklahoma musical is going to be stuck in my head for the rest of the day, boom. <laughs> um, where Gus Malzahn had his 24-karat magic in the air. Knights fighting against the school that tipped over shooters for fun. Boy. The first half was just like Jada Pinkett Smith's relationship with Will Smith. A back-and-forth affair. Knights <laughs> opened up the second half on a four-play two-yard drive that resulted in a made field goal. Fulton oh. Boomer then treated the football like a boomer parent treats their child with alternative <laughs> views as soon as they turn 18, taking it right out of the stadium for another 57-yard field goal to put UCF up six at the end of the third quarter. Everything changed, though, when Archangel Gabriel, Dylan that is, oh. finally got his head out of his butt cheeks. Two touchdowns in the fourth quarter later, Oklahoma escapes with a 31-29 victory over the Knights. We head to Houston, where the air was crisp with injury and upset. After going up 21-0, the Horny Longs decided to take a page out of A-Rod's playbook and stop playing offense, letting the Southern Red Cougars get right back into the game. Donovan not Mitchell Smith. Played like a cat chasing a laser pointer, leading a scorched earth comeback to tie the game at 21. Soon thereafter, Quinn 92ers had flare guns go off in his AC joint and crawled to the sideline asking for a straight jacket. While Malik, not more because he is a physical, Murphy stepped in and tried to get the orange out, only slightly burnt. Mm. However, it was the officials that did the trick in the end, overturning a clear first down late in the game and sucking all the life out of Dana son of Holger, who lay screaming and crying on all fours. Stark emerges victorious 31-24, setting up a monstrous matchup with his alma mater uh, the, this Saturday. The biggest game of his life, boom. <laughs> Next up, we take a trip to sunny Southern California, where the only thing bigger than the swell was Caleb Williams' ego. Old McBarnes had a farm, E-I-E-I-O, and his Piggly Wiggly Scroots marched on down to the greater L.A. area to go to Disneyland and play a football game on the side. Oh, of course. USC's defense proved to be more non-existent than the flying spaghetti monster of the Amazon rainforest, <laughs> allowing a kid from a Utah town you've never heard of to pass for 235 yards and three totallys. 
Caleb Williams must have been busy painting his nails or trying to convince teams he's too bad to play on <laughs> to give him partial ownership of the team or something because he was nowhere to be found on the field. He threw for zero to at least, but did run one in. Mm -hmm. USC took the lead late, but failed a two-punt conversion, leaving their lead at a measly one. Ooh. I bet you Caleb Williams wishes he was in the size nine, maybe, kicking cleats of Utah's <laughs> kicker as he kicked in the game-winning field goal as time expired. The Scroots beat the condoms 34 to 32. Yuck. We head to Miami, where I need to stretch before taking Moose on a run. In a game that was mostly very stupid, but also kind of hilarious, the Clem Suck Tigers walked into a surprisingly almost hostile environment to take on the Hurricane Ibises. Mario's crystal ball couldn't quite divine a way to choke this one away, as Cade Clubdick sharded the game away before you could say, I want DJ Uyunga Lunga Bebop Badoobop Shadi back. He took the ball out of his own play, his best player's hands and decided to take an eight yard loss on fourth down. Not a good shot. Who in the game? You, you know it's bad when Dabo Swiney is out here making suicide jokes about sports psychiatrists. Um, what? That's a head-scratcher, well, boom. That is a head-scratcher. While Mario lives to fight on another level. Raising Kane's wins, 28 to 20. We now head to Charlottesville, Virginia, where Drake may have been the biggest disappointment of the week. <laughs> Literally the worst Virginia team in the history of FBS. Coached by the even more terrible Tony Elliott, who we all said was going to be a terrible coach, but nobody listened, <laughs> was riding a high after getting their first victory of the entire season last week versus William and Mary. God bless. And used that momentum to jump in front of North Carolina early. The Cavaliers loaded up their musket as he threw for 208 yards and a pedally. The real damage, however, was done on the ground where Virginia had three rushing Oh? Drake may have screwed the pooch, throwing an interception on the final play of the game at the 50-yard line. And he hopes that Mac had of making the college football playoff just went straight down the toilet along with the pants. Mac Brown. Oh, Virginia defeats the Tar Heels 31 to 27. We wave to the Children's Hospital on our way to Iowa City to recap what turned out to be an incredible sporting event. To call it a football game, though, would be disingenuous, as the lowest under we've seen in years was never in doubt, and both teams racked, over, racked up over 800 punt yards combined. That's incredible, boo. Incredible. And in a hilarious turn of fate, it was punting that turned the Hawkeyes into Gawkeyes. Poor Cupper Da James called fire, but the refs heard fire and ran straight into a cesspool of angry corn farmer Twitter by calling the game-winning punt return off for a stupid fake gas penalty. Floyd Money Mayweather of Rosedale heads back to Minnesota with a Gophers team lucky to escape with a 12-10 barn-burning victory. You love to see that, boom. <laughs> we now head over to expensive alcohol, Illinois. Champagne, that is. Oh, I see. Um, with some badges. We're looking to badger the Eli guys out of the Big Ten West race. Luke took not the big wet. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> what am I reading? Luke took not the Big Ten West playstyle tart, being less than fickle with his subtly. Ooh. After down, after going down seven to twenty-one, Braden locked in, throwing for two hundred forty yards and two subtly. 
in a Big Ten West game. Oh. Are you allowed to do that, Boom? Go for over 200 yards in the Big Ten West? I don't think so. Meanwhile, Luke Altmaier decided to play football by himself as oh. he was Illinois' leading passer and rusher. Uh. Interestingly enough, Boom, he passed for 100 yards even, more Big Ten West appropriate, and rushed for 100 yards even. <laughs> Incredible feat, Boom. Wow. What a feat. Wow. I mean, what a defeat as Luke could not get the job done. The Badgers still away in a way victory, 25 to 21. More on that one later. That screwed me in the bum. Uh, finally, we head to the great state of Washington, where the Huskies were 28 and a half point favorite over the sad devils of the state of Arizona. However, the pack dead after dark got hairier than a werewolf as is usual, mm -hmm. as Kenneth Dilling hammed up Michael Penis in the Purple People Leaders offense, not allowing a single offensive touchdown. Aww. It was truly a sight to behold. Asu, otherwise known as Ass Who, had to go even further into the deep recesses of football personnel, pulling out one Jacob Conklin, who unfortunately had all of his passes and rushes taken off the board for penalties. You hate to see that, Boom. You hate to see it. Uh, in the end, Sparky shot himself in the foot just too many times, allowing the Husky to limp home to Mama with a 15-7 muckfest victory. That's kind of sad for Conover. Poor guy. Very, very, very sad. At least they Did let him throw the ball. Any of those passes? Yeah. Yeah, like Aww. a 12-yard first down. Oh, poor Conover. Poor guy. It, uh, sad, sad day, sad day. Sad day, sad day. He's probably enjoying himself quite a bit down there. <laughs> uh anyway let's uh let's talk quickly about the week um i hate usc with a fiery passion because they freaking let utah beat them and then everybody just like kisses utah's ass for the next two weeks uh mm -hmm. for the next season uh, i mean game day is going to utah now they're basically iowa utah is the iowa of of the west um and it's disgusting i hate usc i will never forgive them lincoln riley's joke uh, Caleb Williams is a sissy. Uh, mm -hmm. He's Johnny Manziel. Caleb Williams is Johnny Manziel, except he's making money legally. Uh, can't actually play football. He just like balls around, right? Just plays mm -hmm. backyard football. But as soon as you like make him actually play in an offense, he sucks. Yep. No, I completely agree with that. Like I said, my fling with USC is over. <laughs> Officially over. Officially over. Um, what other fiery takes do you have? Uh, as far as college football goes. This is going to be a hot take just because I don't see a lot of people that agree with me on the timeline okay. other than the pundits and talking heads, which might be a bad thing. <laughs> the Michigan sign-stealing scandal. Oh, I guess we Come need on. to talk about this. Come on. I know that we hate Michigan on this podcast. I know that a lot of the nation hates Michigan, and rightfully so. But why should we care? First of all, NCAA investigations are a sham. What is what? Is Harbaugh going to have to sit out another week non-conference schedule slate? Oh, no. <laughs> or what's going to happen? The NCAA is going to vacate wins? Ooh, so scary. <laughs> that doesn't mean anything. I see people saying, oh, well, Michigan provided insight to Georgia, which would implicate Georgia, and maybe Georgia would have to vacate its 2022 wins, making TCU national champion. That is, wow. 
first of all, that doesn't make TCU national champions. Not at all. I would lose all respect for that university if they claimed that national championship. Second, the college football playoff isn't even an NCAA-sanctioned event. I don't think Georgia would vacate it any. Another thing, every team steals signs to one degree or another. If you ain't cheating, you ain't trying at BYU. Um, now, I will <laughs> admit, Michigan's was egregious. It was obvious. The guy used his personal Venmo and name to buy tickets and make transactions with other staffers. It was done poorly. If you're going to investigate Michigan, however, investigate what all these analysts do for their college teams. All these Power 5 schools that have 15 defensive analysts, take a look at what they do, and you'll be punishing 95% of the NCAA in some way, shape, or form. I'm getting riled up about it. I just think that Michigan is being made the subject of a witch hunt because Harbaugh basically gave them the stiff arm for his um, hamburger scandal. The hamburger scandal. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, I I think it's just so funny. Like, it's it's hilarious. It's so odd. Like, they didn't even cover their tracks at all. Like, no. it's like the whole Bill Belichick thing when they were, like, deflating the balls or, or stealing the videotape. It's like, if you're going to cheat, at least, like, try to cover it up. Like if this is the yeah. Astros all over again, I don't know. I think it's funny um, from an Ohio state perspective. I've seen a lot of Michigan fans uh, like making fun of Ohio state fans. And they're like, Oh, you just want us to, you want an excuse for why you lost to us the last two years. Um, I don't think any Ohio state fans are saying that. I don't think, <laughs> I, I think all Ohio state fans would agree with me in saying we would rather beat Michigan than have their wins vacated. Uh, mm-hmm. for some stupid scandal, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, I just want to be Michigan. I don't care what they're doing. Like, we still need to beat them. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if they're cheating. We need to cheat harder then uh, or something. I don't know. But um, I don't care. I think it's hilarious. I think it's blatantly obvious. And I think it's really funny when Harbaugh's like, I have nothing to do with this. And then you <laughs> see him on the sideline with the with the guy with the, the sheet of the sign signals and, like, they're talking about the play. I, very funny. Very funny. Very funny. Um, on the same note, though, with Michigan, something I cannot stand is how apparently J.J. McCarthy is the Heisman frontrunner now. I think that's ridiculous. Uh-huh. Stupid. First off, hasn't played anybody. Hasn't no. had to play against a single good team yet. Uh, so we don't know whether he can play under pressure. Second off, everybody wrote Caleb Williams off after he went who the stadium of a top 10 Notre Dame team, or I guess they were top 15 at that point to a top 15 stadium on the road. And he threw for, let's see, 199, a touchdown and three interceptions at Notre Dame in a blowout loss. Okay. We need to hold JJ McCarthy for doing something even worse for throwing for 143 yards two touchdowns and three picks at home versus Bowling Green in the first half. Three picks. Three uh, Bowling Green, 143 yards, three picks at home in the first half. Bowling Green. I, I just hate how everybody just glosses over that fact because that was a game at 10 a.m. on Peacock that nobody watched 
The AP writers didn't even look at the box score. They're just like, oh, who's the best team in college football right now? Oh, it's Michigan. Who's their quarterback? J.J. McCarthy. Uh, he must be the Heisman winner. And it's kind of sad that that's like what the Heisman has devolved into. It was the same way with Bryce Young. He wasn't actually the best player in college football. He was just the best player on the best team. And so it went to him. Uh, and I just think that's disgusting. Uh, so if J.J. McCarthy does win the Heisman, and he keeps playing like this where he's just like mediocre, but he's the quarterback on the best team. Oh, well, I, I give up on the Heisman. It's completely gone. I don't give two nuggets about it. No, I absolutely agree with that. The Heisman is watered down. It's not what it used to be. It's literally, are you the quarterback of a top two team? Yep. Then you win. Yeah. Which is, it's, it's very stupid. Uh, Caleb Williams won it last year. Uh, two best players in college football last year were Brock Bowers and Marvis Harrison Jr. Neither of them were even at New York. Like, it, they don't care. It's the same thing as the AP vote. I don't want to get into this, but the AP poll is the same thing. The people voting on it don't actually watch games. They have their own job that they do all Saturday long. They spend three hours in the pregame. They spend three and a half hours at the game, and they spend four or five hours postgame writing their stories, posting articles. They are not watching the games. They don't care about anybody but themselves and their own team. They should not be the ones deciding mm-hmm. votes, awards, anything. Get them out of here. Get them out of here. Well, Jared, I mean, we know the AP voters are a bunch of idiots. We know the college football playoff voters are a bunch of idiots. Yes. When it comes, if the college football playoff were to happen today, who would be the four teams that you have in your playoff? Uh, clarifying question. Is this who I would have in my playoff or who I think the CFP committee will put in their playoff? Who you would have. Okay. Um, right now. I think it's got to be Ohio State. They have the two best wins in the country. Yep. Um, I think it's got to be Michigan because regardless of who they've played, they've actually done what they're supposed to do versus those teams um, by the end of the game. Um, so I think those two are locks. Um, I think you got to put, I think you got to put Florida state in there because of what they've done. Uh, they, they beat a top, even though they were top five of the team, they're a top 10 team. I think you put Florida state in there and then I'm going to put, it's either Washington or Oklahoma. And I don't know who to decide between those two. I got Ohio State, Michigan, Florida State, and then either Washington or Oklahoma. Uh, both of them beat a top 10 team. Um, I mean, the basically at home, the Red River rivalry isn't exactly a home game for either team. But they both look like crap the other night. Um, I, I think I'm going to put Oklahoma in there because they have a more complete team than Washington. So that's what that would be my top four. Ohio State, Michigan, Florida State, and Oklahoma in no particular order. So I am going in no particular order with Washington. Okay. I think you got to put them in. Washington's a dang good team. They're fun to watch. They have a good win. So I'd put Washington. Mm-hmm. Ohio State, you have to, like you said, best two wins in the country at this point. Florida State, I think you kind of have to just because I think that they are in a similar position that they're in a very similar position that Clemson was in when they made the college football playoff, you know, 
without Deshaun Watson. You know, it, they they just profited off the ACC being terrible. Uh, Florida State's doing that this year. Now, when it comes to that fourth spot, again, no particular order. I think the selection committee would put Georgia just because of the three peat narrative. Yep. Um, I don't 100%. think Georgia deserves it though. They haven't beat anyone. They've struggled against nobody. Give good. me yeah. Oklahoma instead. All right. Um, I think it's great that we have so many teams from so many different conferences that are in the running, right? And we didn't even mention mm-hmm. like Oregon, Penn State, and Texas, who are all one loss teams, Alabama one lost teams that totally have a shot to come back in and make the playoff. Um, I'm very excited to see how this plays out. The The first CFP rankings actually come out next Tuesday on Hallow's Eve. Uh, be very interesting to see. Are you ready to rage at the complete incompetency and ineptitude of the, of the voters? Yeah. So am I. Yeah, I am. I, it's going to be bad. I'm ready to We're, punch a wall. Yep. It's going to be completely terrible. We're going to have like eight SEC teams in the top 20 just so that Georgia has a bunch of ranked wins. It's going to be terrible. Um, One more thing before we move on. Actually, a couple more things. We are eight weeks into the season. We did regular season win totals for all 133 teams, if you remember. Now, eight weeks in, maybe nine if you count week zero. uh, Most teams have played like seven games, seven or eight games. So we are not even close to – hitting all of the win totals, but 14 win totals have already cashed. And because of this early, they're mostly like the surprise teams like BYU. Boom. Both of us cashed that over. Um, However, we did not do so hot on the other 13 win totals that have gone final so far. Um, I am one in 13. You are three and 11. You I'm down 12 and a half units. You're down almost nine units. Uh, Needless to say, we didn't see a lot of these coming. <laughs> no, I mean, we, we've struggled a little bit, but that's okay. There's only 14 so far. That means there's still 119 left that can save our season. Most cheese it betters quit before they win big. So uh, we're not quitting yet. We are not quitting yet. Uh, biggest surprises, I mean, Jacksonville State over five has been a big one, right? They're already yeah. bowl eligible, tied atop the Sun Belt. Rutgers, bowl eligible. They're playing amazing. Colorado, I, I mean, we were surprised that they were at all competent. Missouri's been a surprise. Clemson under 10. You saw that one coming. I bet against them. Uh, it worked. I mean, it was a principal pick, right? Uh, fade what you want to happen, and they're yeah. under. Um, and I think one of the most surprising ones for BYU fans is the Arkansas. I mean, Arkansas is bad. They are, they scored three points an entire football game last week. Uh, so, yeah, there's been some, some surprises. I didn't see a lot of them coming. Um, I, I just love this sport because of the unpredictability of it. That's basically what I'm getting at is every year you have teams that surprise in a good way and a bad way. And, and I love the chaos, the chaotic element of it. I mean, we all thought BYU is going to go over, but we didn't think we'd be five and two, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's just a beautiful sport because of how unpredictable it is. Absolutely. And I know people will say at the, at the top, there isn't a lot of parody. It's always the same teams that are the best. There, for you casuals out there that only watch that, and that's what you enjoy, good for you. But for us sickos that are actually watching all 133 teams, there's a lot of fun stuff happening below the bottom 25 sorry below the top 25 
and it is very fun. Uh, a couple of last shout-outs, too. New Mexico State became bowl eligible tonight. Nice. To Aggies. Shout-out, New Mexico State. Yep. James Madison, Mizzou, UNLV, Miami, Ohio, Jacksonville State, and Rutgers all bowl eligible. I don't think I saw a single one of these teams being bowl eligible, except James Madison, but, I mean, we, we love them. But still, all these teams, very, very good. Like UNLV, Jacksonville State, first year in the FBS. Like, this is awesome. Good for them. Good for them, man. Like, CUSA is being dominated right now by some new teams. Mm-hmm. New Mexico State, Liberty. It's Liberty is going to become bowl eligible tonight, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yes, they are now bowl eligible. Did the game finally finish? Yep. Yes. They are bowl eligible as of this moment. We're adding them to the list. Congrats. We freaking hate you, Liberty. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's enough about last week. Let's get into this next week because we have a lot to talk about. It is the Texas week. Um, big, big game, like the biggest game on the schedule, uh, besides maybe the Oklahoma game uh, for BYU, as far as like a national perspective is concerned. 1.30 p.m. day game on the road, shutter on ABC. We're going with Nate, Navy helmet, white jersey, Navy pants. How are you feeling about this vibes on the uniform? No, I'm not normally a big Navy fan. Um, this is a pretty good uniform combo. I think it looks kind of sharp. Like I said, I've said this in the past. I like this year's Navy look better than last year's Navy look. 100% just, you know, agree. The, the paint job with the helmet, it just looks a lot cleaner. Um, I am going to say, you know how two negatives make a positive? Mm-hmm. Day game on the road plus Navy, double <laughs> negative <laughs> equals a positive. Let's go. Let's Good vibes. Go. Good vibes only, baby. We're going to completely ignore that we wore this combo against Baylor and got blasted, and we're going to remember that we wore navy pants and white tops with Taysom, and we beat the nuts off of Texas in 2014 Mm -hmm. uh, at their place, 41-7. to So let's continue those vibes. We open as a 20-and-a-half-point underdog in the Action Network. I think Circa and Caesars has it around 16-and-a-half, 17-and-a-half. Um, yeah mm-hmm. so we're big dogs big dogs Brett not though Jared remember the last time BYU opened up as a 20 plus point dog against a big 12 team I do not here's a hint it was the year 2009 Oklahoma Sam Bradford yeah. marched in to BYU's Lavelle Edwards Stadium got hurt and BYU shocked the world, beating Oklahoma 14 to 13. So, oh, yeah. Good, good vibes on the 20 and a half point underdog. We were also wearing white on Navy. Oh. Uh, some more, maybe not good vibes because it involves a player being injured, but not good. Positive vibes, positive happenings for BYU. Um, Quinn Ewers. Injured, AC joint, throwing arm, out indefinitely. I don't really know for how long, but he will definitely not be playing this Saturday. Uh, We expect to see Malik Murphy. However, I would not be surprised if he does not perform well. We might see Arch, Arch, Archie, Arch Manning. Arch Manning, Arch Manning, Arch Manning, Arch Manning. Uh, Shout out um, the algorithm. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian said on Monday that as of that moment, Malik is the starter. But like Jared was saying, anything could happen. Malik has appeared in four games this year on mop-up duty, 
has thrown a whopping total of eight passes in those four games, of which he completed four for 47 yards. Nice. Uh, still has a higher completion percentage than Keaton Slovis, but that's okay. That's okay. Um, he's a big dude. Like, he, he is a large human being. He is a run threat. That mm-hmm. is something we'll have to look out for. Arm tackles are not going to take this guy down. They're not going to take this guy down. No, I mean, thinking about it, he is very KJ Jefferson, KJ Jefferson esque. True. Um, Less proven. We shut him down this year, but there was another year that that didn't happen. True. Um, in the Houston game, it was the third quarter. Texas uh, or Quinn Ewers got injured. Malik Murphy came in and only threw two passes for seven yards. Uh-huh. So they did not use him at all. Now it was a close game at that point. So I don't know whether they were trying not to use him. Uh, I I don't really know what the plan was, but from an outsider's perspective, it looks like they he is not one hundred percent game ready. Right the mm-hmm. the the narrative surrounding him is that he's really good. He's got a lot of physical traits, but as quote quote as of right now quote likely to start. Right, the reports are that he's likely. So it doesn't seem like he's like. Oh, this is the guy we're 100% confidence in him. I'm sure he's going to be prepped and play really well um, because BYU loves to just make backup quarterbacks look like Heisman contenders. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say there's not like that R of complete confidence around him that I expected there to be. Yeah, I mean, like you said, the narrative surrounding him is that he's good. He beat out Arch Manning for the number two spot, all this stuff. When really anyone who's sane realizes that Arch Manning literally played nobody in high school was the emptiest calorie five-star we've ever seen in our entire lives. And like, he was literally in Louisiana playing against like Southwestern Eastern Lutheran Christian Adventist, (laughs) our lady of the Northwest Maria schools. Like (laughs) he was playing a bunch of nobodies and he wasn't even doing that great against them. Like he was just running the ball really. So the fact that he beat out arch, isn't like a huge thing in my opinion. My question for you is, Jared, you've mentioned that we like to make second-string quarterbacks look incredible. Do you feel that we stand a better chance against Texas or a worse chance knowing that yours is out? I would say we stand a better chance. Uh, Now, I don't – like history says we do not, right? But I think we do just because of Quinn Ewers. I think Quinn Ewers is a really good quarterback. He's a baller. He's got an arm. Unfortunately, he does not have that arm anymore. Um, Knocked clear off. I think against the backup, I think our defense is kind of playing kind of well. Uh, We've been shaking things up, getting a little more pressure on the quarterback, not exactly getting home, but forcing bad throws, a lot of them uh, in the last game. I, I think there will be a lot of pressure on Malik Murphy. And I think a lot of it will be just because he's playing at Texas and he's a starting quarterback and he wasn't expected to. But I think all of that added pressure, even though Arch Manning did play against those nobodies, right? Anybody that knows anything knows that he's probably not that good right now. 98% of the fans will be calling for Malik Murphy's head and will be calling for Arch Manning like the third time they punt or the second time mm-hmm. they don't score a touchdown, right? If he mm-hmm. misses three passes and throws an interception, like you're going to hear, we want Arch chance throughout the stadium. And I think that bodes yeah. really, really well for BYU. 
because then the pressure is just going to be all on Malik. He's not going to know whether or not he has the trust of the coaching staff. He's going to be looking behind him the whole time. And I think that can only mean good things for BYU. However, they do, Texas does have a very, very, very good running back. Jonathan Brooks, six, six and a half yards per carry. He's had a rush of 30 plus yards in three of the last four games. This man is an animal. He's an absolute unit. Ran for over 200 yards on Kansas. Uh, and I know Kansas doesn't have the greatest defense, but they made us look silly. Um, mm-hmm. This guy is really good. So we're going to have to stop the run again. We're going to have to do a lot of what we did last Saturday again and contain this animal. Yeah, I mean, this game isn't dissimilar to the Texas Tech game. Now, I do think Malik is better than Texas Tech's fourth string quarterback or whatever yes. <laughs> it was. But we are going to have to stop a physical run game. Jonathan Brooks is good. He is very, very good. and He can make you miss, and he can run you over. Texas Tech also has other running backs that play very well. Now, does Malik have the type of chemistry with the wide receivers that Quinn Ewers does? We don't know. We don't know what their passing attack is going to be or if they're even going to need to pass it because BYU has been on and off against the run this year. Some games were phenomenal. Other games, teams kind of run all over us, and it makes no sense, right? Like when we were playing the first few games, we were locking down the run. But then all of a sudden we're playing Cincinnati and we're scratching our heads in the stand trying to figure out why they keep trying to pass it because they were running the ball all over the field. <laughs> like it, it makes no sense. So what will this Texas offense be? There's just no way to tell. So it's going to be very interesting. The Texas offense can score. It scores in bunches. In multiple games this year, they've scored 21 points in the fourth quarter alone. Our offense didn't put up 21 points in the whole game last week. (laughs) Like, I don't know. This is going to be a weird game. There's just no way that you can possibly predict it. Yeah, this is going to be a funky one. Buckle up, boys and girls and everyone else. Buckle up. That is that is perfect because Texas loves playing with its food. In almost every game, it's been a one-score game at halftime or tied, right? And then, like, against Wyoming, it was a one-score game in the fourth quarter. Against Kansas, it was a one-score game at halftime. They're up three, and then they ended up winning by 20. Like, they barely beat Houston by seven. This is a team that likes to play with its food and then pull away late. Can they do that with a backup quarterback now? They didn't do it against Houston. So I something's going to have to change. Either they figure it out and they pull away from BYU in the end, or BYU makes it stinky enough to just hang in and then see where the chips fall at the end of the game. And I think that's kind of that's kind of the game plan for BYU. Um, the defense, uh, Texas's defense is interesting. Um it's kind of all over the place. I'm not going to lie. It's kind of all over the place. They show a lot of streaks to play a lot of, they uh, have shown a lot of good things, but in the last couple of weeks, they haven't played that well. I mean, Oklahoma is a very good team, but Oklahoma kind of torched them. And then Houston, a, a basically kind of bad offense and not very consistent offense, put up 24 points and scored 21 straight. So it, it it's going to be interesting to watch that side of the ball. The question is, Jared, does it matter? <laughs> USC's defense could probably stop our offense at this point. It's true. Um, Pessimism out of the way. I think our offense will play well. This defense has played well in the past, the Texas defense, not giving up more than 14 points in four out of its first five games. But like you were saying, in the past two weeks, it has struggled. They are an aggressive bunch. 
they have forced 10 turnovers in seven games. Okay. Okay. Kind of crazy. On a side note, this is kind of interesting. Found when I was doing that research, found out BYU is third in the nation in turnover margin at plus nine on the year. Uh, that's pretty good. That is a place that I would like to be. Um, I think we're going to have to be aggressive on offense because we're not going to be able to wear down this Texas defense. That's no chance, right? Nope. No chance that we run the ball three times and get one yard. Like, I honestly don't think that'll happen. Um, we're going to have to be very creative. We're going to have to shake up the play calling. We're going to have to get first downs. Like, we're going to have to extend drives. If we have empty possession after empty possession after empty possession, just keep giving the ball back to Texas on the offense, they're going to figure something out. The more chances we give them, the higher the likelihood that they figure out the offense and Malik Murphy gets in a rhythm. We have to keep the ball. We we have to dominate time of possession. Maybe not dominate, but we have to be at least even in time of possession. We have to get first downs. Don't I? If I see a third and nine, I'll be fine. If I see two third and nines, I'll be mad. If I see three third and nines, I'm going to throw up. I'm going to projectile vomit under the mm-hmm. Texas fans in front of me. Uh, yeah, it's going to be bad. Um, I do have a couple of questions. We'll give our picks and our score predictions a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Um, how does BOU win this game? Like, what 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 is even the recipe for success here? The recipe for success is finding something on offense, right? We have to be aggressive. Um, I think the the recipe for winning this football game is having at least one touchdown of 30-plus yards and sustaining two drives of nine minutes or more. Ooh, that's a lot to ask from this offense, Justin. <laughs> I know it is, and nine-minute drives are a lot. <laughs> And, you know, if we don't sustain that and it's because we're scoring left and right, that's fine. Okay. Heck, I'll even ask for one drive of nine minutes or more that results in a touchdown. Okay. If we can have one of those that results in a touchdown, a touchdown of 30 plus yards, it shows that we're taking shots and that we're also being productive in our play calling, marching down the field and other scenarios as well. On offense, we just, our defense can't win this game for us. Our yeah. defense will keep us in this game. It will. But without our offense producing, there is no way we can win this football game. So in a very roundabout way, our defense needs to keep doing what they've been doing, and our offense just needs to be better. Yeah. No, I 100% agree. It's Our defense will keep us in the game, but our offense will win or lose us the game. Uh, I, I love that. Um I think on defense, we have a little bit of an advantage. We know what they're going to try and do. We know they're going to run the ball a lot. We know that they're going to try and throw quick, easy routes to try and get Malik Murphy into a rhythm. I mean, that's what Josh Hoover did, and it worked like a charm. Um, Mm -hmm. I I think we're going to expect a lot of that. I think our defense will play really, really well. Um, We're obviously going to give up a lot of of plays. Xavier Worthy on, uh, like, outside as wide receiver, I think he's going to have a big touchdown play. Jonathan Brooks is going to break one. We're going to have to respond on offense. It's all going to be about re- responding on offense. Can we hold the ball? Can we keep the ball out of Texas's hands? Can we march down the field and score a touchdown in the red zone? Can we make it to the red zone on half of our possessions? Um, if we have more than two, three and outs, we're going to lose the game. Guarantee it. Guarantee we lose if we have more than two and three and outs. Um, I think it's going to be closer than people think. I think 17 points is a lot of points. I'm going to take BYU with the points we'll get into the predictions later but right now i'm taking those points and eating those up i completely agree and 
like you were saying, this past week, BYU looked like a different football game. Sorry, a different football team than they look like versus TCU. Yep, um, 100%. Versus TCU, we look like the walking dead. <laughs> versus Texas Tech, we look like we had life, like we wanted to be there. World War Z zombies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm traveling to Austin. We got to move it. We got to groove it. We got to be, you know, we, we got to play. Sorry, I said Austin. I meant Austin. Moving to Austin, we need to play our very best game. We need to come out firing on all cylinders. We cannot afford to start slow. We cannot afford to burn clock if we are ahead. We cannot afford to do all of that. We need to put our foot on the gas, keep our foot on the gas, until we are outside of Austin in Provo with a dub. Hmm? Like Jameis. Eat that dub. Jameis eating the dub? Um. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's going to be a good game. I think it's going to be more competitive than people think. I I don't know if BYU is going to win the game because I think there's a lot of possibilities that we don't. I think it's going to be very close. Um, but we do have a lot of other games that we need to talk about. Let's get into college football week nine. Let's start with those upset picks. Last week was good week for you, horrible week for me. Whoop, whoop. Uh, Georgia State pulled it out. They're up big, kind of let ULL back into the game a little bit. Ended up still winning by three, so it was never really in doubt. Two and a half, covered easily, reverse covered, three points. You're up to 16 on the season. For me, it was the opposite. Illinois was up big all game. I was super hyped. And then in comes Wisconsin. Uh, Illinois' like best offensive player left with, left with a targeting in the third quarter, and after that, it was all Wisconsin. Wisconsin was like Simba meme, like remember who you are. Uh, and they came back. <laughs> They came, uh, they got within three, and I'm like, okay, it's all right. They can kick a field goal uh, and, like, win it by one or whatever. I can't remember exactly what it was. They could send it to overtime, and then we'll take our chances there. Uh, and then Wisconsin pulled a Big Ten West, went all the way down the field, trick play, passed to the lineman with, like, ten seconds later, winning the game by four so freaking frustrating Big man tutty capping an 18 point fourth quarter leaving with zero points you got big 10 wested i i did get big 10 wested that i am i now know never to bet on the big 10 west you can't do it man it's it's not good for your health unless you're betting unders then you win every time yes then you just win every time jared who do you have this week in your upsets Ah, let me let me check my phone because I'm watching the Washington State Arizona State line very carefully. Arizona State is a cover machine, but yes, I see a lot are. of instances in which Arizona State uh, loses by seven. They are currently six point dogs, so I'm not going to go with that game. I think there's a high possibility they lose by seven. Um, that being said, they're probably going to cover and maybe win. Now that I say that, however, I'm going to go to another Pac-12 game. I got USC traveling to Cal, playing in that weird, like, underground stadium. Cal's 11-point dogs. Now, Cal has had their best players get injured. They are still kind of feisty. I think USC is 100% checked out. Caleb Williams, Sissy, Lincoln Riley, a joke. Um, Lincoln Riley didn't come to practice two days. They say he's sick, but really he just is like, "Ah, I'm done. Now that I lost a couple games, I'm out. So I'm taking Cal, plus 11 against a dead USC team. 
Uh, Justin, who are you going with, though? I have my bread and butter this year, and it's been a record year for me. Um, I don't think we've ever done this good on upset picks. So I'm going to stick with my bread and butter, weird G5 games. Um, <laughs> that's what's been going well for me this year. I'm taking Texas State, who is a four-and-a-half-point home dog versus Troy. Ooh. Texas State has been feisty. Troy is no joke. Troy is a good football team. Great but defense. I think Texas State has what it takes with that journeyman quarterback. I'm forgetting his name right now. Um, do you remember it off the top of your head? Not off the top of my head. Uh, I know as soon as we say it, though. As soon as we say it, it's going to happen. It's going to jump right up. We're going to remember it. It's TJ Finley. TJ Finley, yes. Former Auburn quarterback. Mm-hmm. TJ Finley. Um, he's playing some good ball there. So give me Texas State plus four and a half. Versus Troy at home. Justin, I think all of your wins have come from the Sun Belt. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, that's where the money is made, right? The Fun Belt, man. That's, that's the most fun. It's the most fun until they not let JMU play in the conference title game. Um, we should talk about that as well. An article that Dan sent us, actually. Yes. That N- yes. The NCAA is obligated to operate by the laws in the state that it is operating. So, um, Virginia legislators are threatening to make life a living hell for the NCAA <laughs> unless they let JMU play in the postseason. The this is a tweet that Dan sent us from a senator, I believe. Um, nuts! I just lost it again. Uh, but basically, this is what it says. It is from L. Louise Lucas. She's a Senate. Senator in Virginia, or was a senator, yes, formerly running again. Uh, let me remind the NCAA that they are required to, by their charter to follow state laws where they operate. If they continue to hold JMU football hostage to a technical rule and stop them from competing in the postseason, they will face a very unfriendly future from our legislator, legislature. Love that. I don't care what political party she is. If I'm living in Virginia, she just got my vote. Absolutely. Anybody that opposes (laughs) the NCAA is my candidate. (laughs) Um, So, yes, uh, that's something to keep an eye on for sure with JMU the wagon. Uh, Let's move on into our final segment. It is the Tipsy 10. Last week, um, let's see. In us compared to the fans, it was a great week. Fans went three and seven. Uh, We are catching up. We are getting there. We just need a couple more bad weeks from the fans, and we're golden. I went six and four. Again, I stay right around 500 for the season. I'm 41 and 39 now. Just one game back from the fans who are at 42 and 38. Uh, Justin, not a bad week. Not a good week either. Um, I went five and five, which brings my total for the year at 39 and 41. I too went three and seven a couple weeks ago, fans, but it was, it crippled me. Um, <laughs> and I'm, I'm fighting to get back. Um, I, I think I went, was it three and seven or two and eight in a week where I promised a 10 and 0. So, uh, this week I'm promising to go oh and 10. Oh, and hopefully I have the reverse effect. <laughs> well, let's get things kicked off here. Um, let's start on Thursday night, actually with Thursday night football, the real one, Georgia mm-hmm. state at Georgia Southern, a little rivalry game there, state versus Southern. 
Georgia Southern favored by one and a half. 5.30 ESPN2. The fans are 58% with Georgia State. Justin, who are you going with in this one? Georgia State's been a wagon the past couple weeks. We were high on Georgia State entering the year. None of us saw what is happening in Georgia Southern. Where, I don't know. Where is Georgia Southern? What city is that? I Bentonville? I have no idea. I don't know. It's, it's not Atlanta, though. But uh, Georgia Southern is playing well. Clay Helton is coaching them State well. School. Their offense is playing well. I think we're going to be rocking in Statesboro. Give me Georgia Southern. Same here. Uh, I'm doing this more as kind of like a fade the fans pick right now. Uh, but <laughs> Georgia Southern, they have great offense. Like they, they're, they're a good offensive team. Georgia State's been super up and down. They've like been good at times, but when they're bad, they're bad. I think Georgia Southern, home team, take them. Forget about it. Yep. I agree. Agree. Let's move to Saturday. We're jumping Friday. Straight to Saturday, 10 a.m. on Fox. Number six, Oklahoma will be traveling to Kansas, Jayhawk territory. And Oklahoma is a nine and a half point favorite. For whatever reason, I just could not remember that Kansas was in Lawrence. I kept trying to think of <laughs> Lawrence and it was spacing me. It's getting late. I don't know what's going on. It Kansas is, is a nine and a half point home dog to Oklahoma. 88% of the fans say okie dokie artichokey. Jared, who are you going with in this one? Uh, if this was by the spread, I'm taking Kansas, but I'm going to take Oklahoma straight up. I think they're just a better team. And we need them to win in order for them to have their slip-up game, stupid loss, November 18th in Provo. So they got to win this one so that they can have their stinker against us. Give me the Sooners. I could not have put it any more beautifully, Jared. Oklahoma can't have its stinker yet. Its stinker has to come in November versus BYU. Oklahoma winning this one. Uh, we head to Saturday, 1.30 p.m. on ESPN. Number 20, Duke. Uh, tough, tough loss last week. Uh, just didn't have enough to beat Florida State there. It was close, though. At number 18, Louisville, who, they, I mean, talk about up and down, but they're playing pretty well. Uh, Louisville favored by four at home. The fans heavy, heavy on Duke here. 84% on Duke. Justin, are you going with the fans or are you going with the Ville? Dude, I have no clue what Louisville is. Um, they struggled versus a terrible Indiana earlier in the year. Then struggled versus NC State, who hasn't been great. And then beat Notre Dame by 13 points. <laughs> and then followed that up with a loss to Pitt. Um, I think Duke is just a better team than Louisville here. I think Duke is more proven than Louisville is. Um, but it is at home, which is Louisville is a lot more feisty at home than they are away. I kind of talked myself into it. I was going to go Duke, but give me Louisville in this one. Yeah, I'm also going with Louisville. All of their stinkers that you that you talked about, Georgia Tech, Indiana, NC State, Pitt, all on the road. Mm. At home, they are a different team. They score way more points. Uh, they average like over 40 points a game. They've scored 56, 56, and 33 points at home. They are a mm -hmm. great, great team at home. Plus, Duke, Riley Leonard, still a little hobbled. Still not exactly 100%. Uh, I think Louisville has the edge, especially at home. Yeah, dude, I think so too. 
Let's see. Is it us or the fans? I'd better be us. <laughs> better be us. We are different from the fans on two already, so this could either be very good or very bad for us. <laughs> um, Saturday, 1.30 p.m. on CBS Sports Nation, Miami of Ohio will be traveling to Ohio to play the Bobcats. The Bobcats are a seven-point home favorite, but 55% of the fans are siding with the Red Hawks. Jared, who do you got in this one? This is an interesting one. Uh, ESPN FPI, the matchup predictor, absolute garbage, but it also yep. agrees with the fans, saying that the seven-point home favorite should not be favorited, um, <laughs> and they are 53.3% on Miami. So I, I don't know. I just find that really interesting uh, when there's such a discrepancy between the spread and everything else. Um, I really like Curtis Rourke for Ohio. He's a great quarterback. Uh, as fun as Miami of Ohio's been, I don't think I could tell you one player uh, on their team. Ohio's at home. They have the best player on the field. Give me the Bobcats. And Ohio State University will win this game. That is my true uh, prediction. All righty. Um, I'm going to go with Ohio on this one as well. Um, I, I could be remembering things completely wrong. But I think when we did the Mac preview, I said that Ohio would be a wagon. <laughs> um, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm pretty sure I did. I have no way to check. <laughs> okay. We'd have to dig back into the episode folder to look at that one. I'm going to say, I called it at the beginning of the year. Ohio is a wagon. And, and they are, they have been so, so yeah, far. Ohio wins. Um, I think that's going to be a really fun game though in the Mac. I mean, we'll get Mac in here in like another week or so. Uh, but this is kind of just one of those, um, just one of those games uh, that you'll be excited to see on a Tuesday rather than in the middle of a Saturday. Um, we moved talking of middle of the day on a Saturday. We moved to a really weird time slot, 3.30 PM mountain on FS2. Um, the game is being played on the Smurf turf in Boise city. So that's why you have such a weird uh, start time. Wyoming going to Boise city. This is a big, big, big battle in the mountain West race. Uh, Wyoming played really, really well. Frisky. Um, just lost to Air Force. Air Force is a very good team. Uh, Boise State, though, well, excuse me, Boise City favored by five points on the Smurf turf. Are you going with the blue potato farmers or the pee-pee-poo-poo urine bombs? I'm sorry, Jared. I, I have to fact check myself. <laughs> <laughs> In the Mac preview, I predicted Miami, Ohio winning it all. Okay. Um, you actually had Ohio winning it all. Okay. So um, we'll see how the turns have tabled. I, I picked Ohio. I can't change it. I already typed it in. Anyway, <laughs> PP Poo Poo University at Albertsons. Um, I'll tell you what, Jared. PP Poo Poo is not generally um, the best experience. <laughs> sometimes it can be, you know, a PP Poo Poo can feel good sometimes. But I'll tell you what is a pleasant experience. Um, I don't know that, that you've ever actually been to an Albertsons because they don't really exist out here in Utah. But, man, Albertsons fried chicken and potato wedges are <laughs> immaculate. They are so good. I used to get them before uh, basketball games for our team to eat, our team lunch. And, oh, my goodness, it was delectable. <laughs> that being said, Boise is not a state. I cannot live by – I could not – in good conscience, choose them to win ever. PP is PP, poo poo is poo poo. 
There is no denying that. So give me pee pee poo poo university. I am right there with you. I hate Boise city with a passion. They're the worst. Um, Wyoming is good. I've picked Wyoming. I've been on Wyoming since the start of the season. I think they're really good. They've covered, they've won, they've beaten good teams. Uh, I think they get back on the winning track with a big win at a Boise city team that is really kind of lost right now. Yes. They're kind of winning football games sometimes, but they don't have any identity. They lost to Dallin Holker on a miraculous Hail Mary. I don't think they know who they are. Whereas Wyoming knows exactly who they are. Give me Wyoming big in this one. At 1.30 p.m. on CBS, the number one Georgia Bulldogs will be traveling to the swamp to take on the Florida Gators. Georgia is a 14-and-a-half-point home or away favorite. Georgia is favored by the fans at a 65% clip. Jared, who do you have in this one? This is a classic case of fade what you want to happen. I mean, it's the world's largest outdoor cocktail party, rivalry game, Jacksonville, right? Awesome, awesome stuff. Um, I, I want Florida to win. I think they could do it, but in the end, I am never that lucky. I'm going to go with Georgia. Um, not what I want to happen, but rather this is a fade what you want to happen. Principal pick. What do I do, Jared? I'm torn. I I, really want Florida to win this game. I, I am right with you. I want Florida to win too. I'm just not confident. <laughs> Florida is really good at losing to bad teams and beating good teams. We've seen that. And Tennessee is a perfect example. It's what Florida does. Lost to Utah, bad team. Can they compete with Georgia? Oh, goodness. Me, oh, my. <laughs> I, I promised everyone I would go 0-10 this week. Okay. So, if I all reason says Georgia's going to win this football game, that means if I'm going to go 0 and 10, I have to pick Florida in this one. All right. Justin, I will be the happiest person in the world if I lose a game to you because of that pick right there. <laughs> Dude, no, I, I'm, I'm going to get blasted out of the water for that one. Uh, hey, you got to make games up somehow, right? And a rivalry game is as good a place to do as any. Just throw out the record books, right? Um, <laughs> we head to the Pac-12 after dark. I am stoked for this one. Number 11, Oregon State, traveling to Mexico to take on the Arizona Wildcats. 8.30 p.m. ESPN. Beavs, chainsaw noises, favored by three and a half. Oregon State is also the fan favorite at 66%. Justin, who are you going with in this classic Pac-12 After Dark showdown? Jed Fish has put himself together a dang good football team. Arizona takes it to all of their opponents, and they have the not-so-good Pac-12 team After Dark bonus. This is the clearest pick I've ever made. Give me Arizona in this one. I am so right with you. This is this is the biggest no-brainer, dirt, just shut your eyes and do it no matter what. Um, I mean, come on. Like you said, there's nothing else to be said here. Underdog, a scrappy team playing a top 11 opponent, uh, like at home, packed to like just name something about the game and it points to Arizona winning it. Give me the Wildcats. <laughs> Oh, we're so dumb. 
<laughs> Saturday at 5.30 p.m. on NBC, the National Big Conference. Um, number three, Ohio State takes a trip to Madison to take on the Badges of Wisconsin. The Ohio State University is a 14.5-point road favorite. Ohio State is favored by the fans at 88%. Jared, who do you have in this one? Uh, it's pretty obvious. I'm wearing the shirt right now. The Ohio State Buckeyes are going to win this football game. Um, our defense is freaking elite. Like, I'm so glad that we had that Penn State game because now we know what our what our team is good at. And our team is really, really good at defense. Um, Wisconsin is not as good as I thought they were. I was originally really worried about this game in the preseason because I thought Wisconsin was going to have their shiz together. I th- thought they were going to be rolling peeps. Um, and we'd come in off the high beating Penn State and kind of maybe lose a stinker here. I don't think that's the case. I think this Ohio State team still has the chip on their shoulder, still getting disrespected. Um, I think we roll into Madison, and we're the ones jumping around. Give me Ohio State big. Oh, okay. I like it. I'm also going with Ohio State in this one. I just think they're a better football team than Wisconsin. Wisconsin is just a regular Big Ten West team, and the fact that they could literally walk 11 plumbers onto the field and probably have a better chance just because that's just the spirit <laughs> of the Big Ten West. Um, they're playing a Big Ten East team now. They're about to get humbled. It's a classic <laughs> Big Ten East obliterates the Big Ten West scenario. The Buckeyes will dominate this game. Hell yeah. Um, we move to our penultimate game, 1.30 p.m. on Fox. The number eight Oregon Ducks traveling to uh rye shekels stadium probably um whatever that tiny little speck of dust up on the mountain is uh to play the somehow number 13 utah scroots um oregon is favored by seven on the road oregon is also favored by the fans 71 percent i i justin i'm just gonna leave it to you first I'll, i'll save what i have to say um Everyone knows on this podcast how I feel about Dan Landon and what he's doing at Oregon. <laughs> um, I think that's a dang good football team. And if they play Washington at home, they probably beat them. They just did not have that fortune. Oregon is a dang good football team. Utah is not. Um, give me Oregon by 6 billion points in this one. Um, Dan Landon is on a revenge tour right now. I think he just honestly dislikes Kyle Whittingham. I think he is going to... He is going to – a ball will be th- – he's going to design a play so that Bo Nix throws the ball away. He catches it. He runs across the field with the football, fakes out the ref like he's giving it to the ref, runs straight to Kyle Whittingham, who is just standing there like, what the heck, puts a hand in his face, stiff arms him, two eye, two fingers in the eye sockets, <laughs> takes him to the ground, teabags him, emotes, does that little Fortnite L on the forehead <laughs> dance, runs back, gets ejected, Oregon wins by 30. Uh, I don't know if I'm 100% with that whole scenario prediction, but I am right with you that Oregon wins the football game. Usually this is where I scream and max out the the uh, the speakers and the microphone, but it is past quiet hours here, and there are multiple babies um, in the adjoining, in the adjoining, uh, adjoining whatever you frick to call them, the apartments around adjacent us. adjacent thank you <laughs> uh yeah so i'm not going to be screaming but you know how i feel there's 
a situation in which I will pick the Oregon or the Utah Utes. So I'm going with Oregon. Uh, very, very big. Dan Lanning, the evil frat boy. Uh, he is he is going to violate this Utah football team in a way that we never thought possible. He's leaning hard on that frat boy analogy, are you? Uh, yes, because that's exactly who he is. He's just some punk kid that is too cool for everyone, knows he can beat the crap out of everyone in the room, and then does so. That's exactly who he is. Last up, the game you've all been waiting for, a game we've already <laughs> referenced at 1.30 p.m. on ABC. On ABC, you heard that right. BYU, BYU. travels to Austin, Utah. Austin, Utah. <laughs> it's, it's late. Austin, Texas to take on the number seven Longhorns. Texas is a 17.5-point home favorite over the Cougs. 89% of the fans chose BYU. 11% of you were going to have to publicly shame, but we'll do it after we give our score predictions. Jared, how do you see this game going? I see this game being – let me check the over-under because I see this game being, I think, relatively low scoring. I mm-hmm. think that's how BYU is going to have to play. Yes, we're going to have to answer on offense a couple of times, but I think if we are going to win the game, our defense is going to have to step up and play good play good defense like we're gonna have to hold texas way under what they what they normally score over under of 50 i'm going under i think it's going to be a 24 to 21 victory for byu i think we i i think we can win this game this is obviously very blue goggled um i'm going to be at the game and so i always want it to be a spectacular victory like nebraska or tennessee um i think it can be I think this can definitely be a victory for BYU. There are a lot of things pointing in our favor, but we still have the chip on our shoulder. We still have that big, huge spread. We have the day game chip um, to play. I just really hope Kalani gets our boys amped because if he does, if A-Rod can just pull his head out of his butt and just call consecutive plays, get us first downs, respond to explosive scores, not let Texas put anything together, You know, put multiple drives back to back to back, I think we're going to give up some explosive plays and touchdowns. I think we're going to answer them, and I'm going 24-21. I think I think we're going to hit the under, and I think BYU's going to win. My prediction is BYU wins in thrilling fashion, a game-winning field goal to take the game 17-16. to Oh, baby. Texas is just going to be field goaling around because they can't score. Their only touchdown will be a Keaton Slovis pick six. Um, <laughs> and we win this game 17 to 16 on a game winning 48 yard field goal. Wow. Uh, that would be absolutely incredible. There would be nothing that would make me happier. In 2011, we went to Texas and lost 17 to 16. Uh, it was a very sad game. We totally had it. Uh, Jordan Leslie and the boys couldn't pull it out. Um, 17 to 16 would be incredible. I think we're both kind of on the same page. This is going to be a defensive battle. Like, it, I, there's definitely a world out there. There's definitely a, a universe on the timeline where Texas wins 55 to 3 and wins 42 to 20, right? There are definitely those out there, but I think they're very, very, uh, they're much less probable than they were when Quinn Ewers was the quarterback. The fact that Malik Murphy is in, 
fact that they have just question marks surrounding a lot of guys on the team as far as injuries are concerned. Like, I don't know. I think BYU has. I think they have a chance, man. I think they do. Let's think it. Let's talk about the five people that don't think that BYU has a chance. We have we have a long-standing tradition on this show of publicly shaming those who are dissenters. Would you like to start it off, Jared? Uh, sure. Uh, Sam Feller. I don't know who you are, but you're definitely not our feller. Oh, Ooh, roasted. I will say Sam did apologize for their <laughs> take. Um, they said, I'm sorry. <laughs> But uh, we do not forgive you. Not Sam. accepted, Sam. We do not forgive you. We do um, not forgive you. Be better, <laughs> Cooper Hansen. I don't really know who you are, and I think there's a reason for that. Um, you're not famous because your name is so stereotypically white that if I were to look you up on Facebook, I'd have to sift through seven billion results to find you. Nice. Um, honestly, like that's a roast, but my name is literally Justin Anderson. It's it's even worse than yours. So no, so like, yeah, I just roasted myself on that one. But still, screw <laughs> you. Uh, next up, we come to Brady B. Um, do you even have a last name, bro? Boom, roasted. Dude, is that his last name? B for bro. <laughs> it's it's not bro. Name. Because he's not our bro. It's Brady. Definitely not. Bruh. Brady, he, but. Every time I'd be seeing his takes, I'd be like, bruh. 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 Next up, Con Monson. Um, the, man, the jokes really just write themselves. Con, you are a con man, a con artist, a con of a BYU fan for not voting for BYU in this poll. <laughs> uh, finally, we come to Jake Black. Uh, he's my uncle. He is a born and raised Ute fan. Um, boom, roasted. One and zero in your last one game against BYU. Um, yeah, boom, roasted. <laughs> yeah, hey Jake Black, why don't you stop trying so hard to be Jack Black? Yeah, dude. Boom, roasted. Boom, eat that. <laughs> uh, that that was good. It, it felt good to do that again. We haven't done that in a while. Yeah, you know, it's good. Um, We hope that all five of you are listening. We hope that all five of you are just mildly offended, not to the point where you're going to stop listening, but (laughs) um, to the point where you laughed about it, but it's going to come back into your mind at like 2 a.m. while you're trying to sleep that we called you that name. Um, That's our hope. And we hope that it will bring you closer to us. It'll bring us closer to you. Because that's what we're all about on this podcast. We're all about growing this fan base, growing this beautiful community that we have created. Our Instagram has seen exponential growth thanks to you guys and thanks to the posts that you have been sharing and liking. Thanks to Jared's weekend watch guides and you guys using them. Thanks to the Twitter and good friends like Mac, the punt, the punt snapper, the long snapper. The punt snapper. I, I just, I call him a punter every time. I don't know why. Uh, Matt the long snapper um, shouting us out on Twitter the community's growing we love it make sure it continues to grow by reviewing the episodes sharing it with your friends and following us on Instagram and Twitter at loyal to royal pod 
where you'll find all that fun and interactive content. Absolutely. Speaking of that, uh, Insta, the Instagram exponential growth, just a couple of weeks ago, we were getting 20 to 30 votes on the tipsy 10. Uh, that was like the beginning of the season. Mid-season, it's been around 40, 45. We hit 65 today. Yeah. Clap it up. Awesome job, everybody. Keep contributing. Keep sharing. Keep making fun of us. Send in your questions, your dumb uh, your dumb apologies like Sam Feller, dummy. <laughs> you can't just pick against BYU and then say sorry. That doesn't cut it. Um, but, yeah, we love you guys. You guys are awesome. So, uh, yeah, we'll uh, see you next time. Goodbye now. Yeah. Rock, 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 rock.